order. Welcome to the court of That's Rich, where we judge all crimes of the hyper-rich, from soft boy YouTubers filming dead bodies to <laughs> the K-pop <laughs> factories. Um, the, the, apparently, I'm just churning out all the K-pop stars. I don't know. <laughs> that one I didn't research as much. The, K- but, the, K- the K-pop mines, where they dig them out of the ground like <laughs> Urukai. Like, yes. That's, that's <laughs> They wipe they mud out. on them and then make yeah, them. Yeah. And, they, and they've already mm. got like an undercut. And like, yeah. Yes. Who do you serve? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name's Daniel McKeown. And I'm Rory Kelly. And we're going to, yeah, just walk through. Uh, we take, we go all across time trying to find the most heinous uh, and mind boggling stuff about the rich people in our lives and try and comprehend what's going on. Um, Rory. Yeah, how have you been screwed over by the powers that be this week? Oh well, I um I I bought a jacket on eBay, uh, oh. and I had to pay. A, first of all, a jacket in summer. Uh, I'm on my bullshit, uh, and I pay eight pounds in shipping. Eight pounds. Yeah, Rory's a lot like Skullduggery Pleasant, and he'll wear a full <laughs> suit and coat in summer. <laughs> I'm a scarf around most of my skull face. <laughs> um, <laughs> Great cheekbones, though. You know, it's, it's all, yeah. Oh. The way the show usually breaks down is that we have a historical or modern figure who is committed some of the most egregious crimes against humanity in their hunt for money or are just generally weird. Um, we have one main figure, but we kick off our show with a segment called Minor Royalty. This is where we keep up with the good and the great in the average celebrity and business world. Uh, The hot news this week is, of course, uh, allegations against Ellen DeGeneres about a toxic environment working on her show. Such allegations go as far as uh, staff being told not to look at Ellen when she was uh, on set. And uh, some more sinister sexual assault allegations of some producers. I'm just thinking about if if you were in that horrible environment, and you have to watch her then go on and dance. <laughs> it would fuck me up like, ooh, so much. Yeah, yeah, it's like, like oh yeah, a little hands by her sides. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh. It, it's amazing that in the same, just after her last special called Relatable came out, where she wanted to show how she really is, that this Holy then came shit. out and <laughs> spoke shit. it into relatable, existence. Relatable filmed on top of enormous pile of cocaine in the middle of the stage <laughs> just like <laughs> i live like you yeah fuck me can i say something about the story right so apart okay. from the really sinister elements like the sexual assault like, mm-hmm. it's all sinister it's all horrible but i have to say a little bit of me kind of likes this story which is like in in that it it's such an old-fashioned kind of you know when the cameras are rolling yeah it's you know hi everybody oh, oh, fucking yeah. crusty the clown ass and then the minute they hit it's like, where's my fucking, where are my white sneakers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Casual, <laughs> but relatable. I need a thousand pairs of vans for damn Daniel. <laughs> I need them now. I need them now. Bring the latest viral kid in here. Do your fucking <laughs> thing. <laughs> Shaking the yodeling kid by his neck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm just imagining what you're like. So you think it's like it's like you think you can surpass me, yodel boy? <laughs> yeah, in the in the commercial phrase. <laughs> when that day comes, I shall rain down yeah, upon you. you. Trick, yeah. You iron up my office. <laughs> you think you can handle this time slot? You're a, you're a flash in the pan, Alex from Target. Well, the thing is that what's not surprising about it, I think people it's being styled. The narrative is, oh, it's so surprising because she was so lovely on camera. 
which is sort of a, a thing that everyone loves to talk about. They're so nice on camera and so awful off camera. But it goes, yeah. I think this runs deeper than this. It's sort of, sorry, uh, what's it called? Uh, communal wisdom that every long-standing talk show host has had a breakdown at some point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can just, I can so believe it. It's, we're talking about a big corporate machine, essentially, with a guy on the face of it who's being told what to do at every angle. Exactly. And every night. Doing that for 20 something years. Yeah. Like, that's got to be, that's got to break. I genuinely, gotta, there's something to break, break your, in your soul. Brain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. We're going to go through this fast. We may have done this before, but I'm just curious. Right. Ellen, huge piece of shit on set. Why uh-huh. don't people look at her? Total psycho. Uh-huh. Um, Jimmy Fallon, what's what what what's his breakdown? What does he do? Oh, oh, okay. The breakdowns of people. Uh, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Um, he starts trying to invent cocktails. You know how he like drinks loads. <laughs> but he starts trying to invent them with like mud and allegedly, like, allegedly uh, drinks loads. Allegedly, allegedly. Sorry, yeah. But he he just starts making cocktails out of like mud and like soap. Yeah. And he starts just drinking them. And he's like, "Hey guys, how's it going?" And he's like, "Hang out yeah. with his staff," and they're like. Jimmy, you shouldn't drink that. It's like, well, watch me go. Um, <laughs> if you're like, this is a Fallon orange. You're like, what is it? Mostly <laughs> vodka and orange. And you're like, okay, dude. Um, okay, Corden just starts singing in the street. You know, he does those crosswalk yes. musicals. He just starts yeah. running. He just starts running and singing <laughs> and just belting out Hamilton at like 2.5 speed. And it's just like really yeah. Yeah, he has those like musical breakdowns where he kind of thinks he's living in a musical. Um, There's no way Stephen Colbert uh, doesn't have just an enormous number of scars on his back from self-flagellating like a Jesuit (laughs) priest. There's no way. I just, I just, I just know. Even with the Catholicism, yeah, and like he just exactly. It's totally religious with him. And Kimmel, Kimmel just melts. Kimmel just melts into a sofa <laughs> and they have to peel him off with a, like a scratching, uh, like a paint Kimmel, scratcher on the ear. Kimmel is goop, right? He's like a big <laughs> sack of goop, not the brand goop. He's just, he's just gunge. Yeah. And every morning he has to be poured into the Kimmel mold. Yes, and the studio yeah. is very refrigerated and he's kept nice and cool. And when the show ends, he just melts and then they have to scoop him up and repeat the process every day so people don't know this many people don't know this that's actually what kimmel means yeah if that doesn't um, sound like a real word it's a word for a gunge blob that hosts yeah. a talk show i think that's and, all the relevant oh do you want to do, you do yeah, one exactly more? i was just gonna say um once a month uh seth myers masturbates because he's the most boring man alive and he yeah has, he, he, there's nothing he, on screen so i can't imagine there's anything off he's the guy in catch 22 you know the guy who's not crazy so they all think he's the craziest he, he does that yeah that's exactly it. um exactly yeah he has a wife and two kids and you know he's just like a boring man but yeah um, but yeah ellen ellen sucks and <laughs> he sucks and just in case that wasn't clear yeah anyway um moving on to our next uh thing just because this briefly ties in with what we're going to talk about later on uh james murdoch has stepped down from news corp holy uh, shit due to uh direction of the company issues that's basically uh it's very unclear what those issues were that he was having james murdoch uh for those you don't know he's yes son of rupert murdoch but also mm-hmm. was very outspoken about issues of climate change that he believed news corp to be complicit in moving towards climate change and spreading misinformation around it and stuff so he has always been i suppose the black sheep of the murdoch clan just because he had something of a heart 
And because I guess he shared, <laughs> he shared one clip of Greta Thunberg saying, how dare you? And they were like, you need to think about what you're doing. Rain you your to, yeah. shit in. <laughs> we're the Murdochs. We yeah, have responsible yeah. media training, you piece of shit. Yeah, um, literally. Yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, was critical of Fox News as well. God, I totally missed <laughs> the story where he'd stepped down. Yeah, um, he, he just resigned from the board. I, I think it's very, they're keeping it very hush-hush. It's very hush-hush um, <laughs> because it's the Murdochs, obviously. And, yeah, but like that's super interesting because, like, um, as people have written a lot about, um, like the Murdochs are weird, right? And their whole political project is is bizarre, and it was, of course, chiefly about uh, keeping as much, in particular, uh, working class opinion as right wing as they possibly can. Mm. Um, but they were quite hostile to Trump when he first emerged. Yeah. Very initially, they thought, "Oh no, we don't really like this guy," and they also probably didn't think that he was going to be so popular. And then. Just by continuing to win and be successful and win the Republican nomination, he totally reshaped Fox News in his own image. And yeah. so presumably this guy is partly like that as well. He might be, you know, something of a a more traditional conservative. Yeah, I think so. Maybe feels he, he, them yeah. pulling away. He's one of the few, I don't know if he's a Republican, but he's one of the few sort of conservative people who actually say, I don't like Trump and I will stand against yeah. him. Unlike the rest of the sacks of shit just like going like <laughs> then, i can rein him in and then later on be like he did good on this thing and i think we should talk <laughs> about that and it's like, why don't we talk about that the the i think yeah i mean to be clear he's probably still a piece of shit and worked for news corp up until last week so oh I mean, totally yeah know, how fucking how fucking squeam you know how much yeah we're, 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 but it yeah. is interesting that even even that mild objection is Either he's been pushed out, or he just doesn't feel like he can, um, yeah, contribute uh, to that. We're, yeah, we're, we're we're splitting hairs on the yeah. It's the difference, you know. It's the difference between night and later that night is the, is the morality <laughs> of the yes of those those people. Um, did you have any uh, uh, figures you wanted to dwell on? Yeah, just a brief one. So, just an update on the world of um, uh, everybody's favorite. Uh, man who wears strappy shoes to work uh mark zuckerberg is um recently so a few things about zuckerberg that are crazy interesting as we always we're always we're always talking about mark we always come back to mark i think mark is a, a prominent figure in our well he's doing well mark just became one of the uh the exclusive club of i believe they pronounce it centibillionaires in other words, someone who has $100 billion to his name individually. Wow. So owning as he does 13% of Facebook shares, mm -hmm. um, he now has $100 billion to, to him as an individual, not even mm -hmm. you know, his company, just to him. Um, but uh, that was announced a few days ago. Um, so yeah, I imagine there's not an actual club. Jesus, I hope there isn't a club. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be. I hope it's like I hope it's like the Oprah's Book Club, and it actually doesn't have that much. Like, <laughs> you don't actually get that much benefits from it. You don't get them. pretzels on the table, and here's some books that we weird pushy machines. <laughs> here's books that we publish that we don't let the public see. So we. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I love reading the Cure for Cancer book before bed. <laughs> yeah. Laughing to myself. Yeah, laughing. But the reason I bring this up is that. Um, it's really funny because uh, Facebook are in the middle of just doing some of their almightily shitty stuff. Um, so, as we know, Facebook have found significant success, particularly in recent years, mm -hmm. fucking just stealing other people's stuff or copying it very aggressively um, <laughs> and producing uh, 
you know, essentially reproducing apps. So for example, they tried to buy Snapchat famously. Yes. Snapchat refused to sell to them. So they reproduced uh, Instagram stories and Facebook stories, um, which is just, a, you know, a total ripoff. Yeah. Um, well, they've done the same with Instagram and Reels recently. Exactly. Trying to so, get the TikTok stock down. So they're trying to get TikTok, right? So they, they had a failed TikTok app called, or a feature called Lasso, which oh, didn't terrible. work. Um, uh, <laughs> just, just, to, just to describe it here. Uh, so it just sounds uh, bad. Facebook, <laughs> in 2018, Facebook quietly, this is from an article on Vox Recode who do a lot of tech reporting. Uh, Facebook quietly came up with a standalone app called Lasso that, just like Reels, allowed users to take 15-second videos and overlay them with music. At the time of the launch, a Facebook sp spokesperson called it a standalone app for short-form entertaining videos from comedy to beauty to fitness and more. Sounds totally original. But as a standalone app without a built-in user base, Lasso struggled to win users. By June 1st, 2019, the app reportedly had fewer than 80,000 daily active Android users in Mexico. Its wow. biggest market. According to uh, metrics, blah, blah, blah. On a call with reporters on Wednesday, Instagram's head of production, Vishal Shah, said that Instagram has learned lessons from Lasso. A new standalone app, while it gives you a lot of flexibility, also requires a kind of built-in audience, they said. So Lasso is basically the same thing, but being introduced on Facebook. They also have Hobby, which is a Pinterest clone. Uh, Rooms, which is a Zoom clone. Oh, my God. Um, and most importantly of all, right, they've been trying to break this TikTok market for ages. But now, as we know, um, Trump is very likely going to ban TikTok. Um, yeah. In the US. So here's this enormous piece of shit, not only just ripping stuff off, not only just uh, cloning things and, and getting the money. When, when his monopoly fails to work, right, when the brute force of money fails him to just colonize another bit of the market, mm -hmm. we'll just copy it and put them out of business. But on top of that, Getting in good, so it's worked for him right now. All these, uh -huh. all these refusals to kind of tackle, you know, bullshit Nazi stuff on Facebook, which endeared him to Trump, has paid off. And now, and now he's, you know, yeah. in Trump's corner. And if Trump bans TikTok, he's going to be there ready to fucking scoop up the profits. And this is a guy who pathologically avoids paying taxes, right? So yeah. just, just the most cynical machine. Yeah. Just gobbling up everything. In its it time. is insane. I, I do like that they... They called it lasso when, well, well, clearly lassoing different concepts from different <laughs> businesses and wrangling them in. Um, like saying, easy, boy, easy. <laughs> they putting in easy short form content with music on the side. Well, e easy, easy, basically Zoom. <laughs> easy, girl. I do wonder how he's protected from stealing these, or how their company's protected from sort of. Surely you'd think it would be intellectual property, but of course we know he's very good at protecting himself, especially from the sun. Um, so it's not <laughs> like he, he probably he's he's got the sun cream over the company to stop the exactly. rays of of uh, litigation. The only thing the only thing thicker and more impregnable than the jar of mayonnaise he wears on his face when he goes mm. to the beach yeah. is the uh, the legal terms with which Facebook nick people's ideas. Allegedly, not uh, even allegedly. You can see it. <laughs> you can say I can it, but show I think you. It's right there. It's an allegation of breaking the law, and presumably he isn't breaking the law. I don't know. You know, whatever. Oh yeah, um, yeah. He's not breaking the law. <laughs> can so I have I, this? I, one? Can I get one? Can he? Can we get one prosecution against him? Just one, <laughs> even if it's a small claims court. He parked in my spot. I don't know. Can we get <laughs> just something which gives him some kind of record exactly. for being the most monumental piece of shit? Win. 
A tiny win, I'd take um, over Zuckerberg, yeah. Zuckerberg chat leads us very well onto our topic this week. Um, our main focus of what I want to talk about is it's a sort of crumbling polygolopoly. Um, I believe that's how you say it. Um, no, not correcting you. Um, which is the Barclay Brothers. Yeah. These are identical twin billionaire brothers. <laughs> Sir David Rowett Barclay and Sir Frederick Hugh Barclay. In scum and tweedle and piss. <laughs> <laughs> tweedle scum and tweedle piss. Um, <laughs> so in 2019, they were worth eight billion pounds. Okay. <laughs> this is a sort of weird. I wonder what would be so yeah. funny is if we took a zag of like, we talked about American billionaires, like, oh, fuck those guys. Blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, not like our proper British billionaires. <laughs> our good, solid. You know, when we have billionaires, they're, they're identical twins who, <laughs> who ride a tandem bike around London together. <laughs> Good old-fashioned billionaire values like the Barclay Brothers. The Barclay Brothers own a, 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 an empire of different companies. Um, and Rory, I'm going to do a quick, this is a little sidebar, quick test on can you list all the companies that they own, the, the, all the different things. I so can't. Right. Okay. Telegraph Media Group, who own the, uh, the Telegraph and, and I believe the Spectator. Uh, and the Sunday Telegraph. I don't know. That, that's kind of a <laughs> given, probably, now that I say it out loud. <laughs> Today is an enormous day for the Telegraph Media Group, for we have acquired our white whale. The Sunday <laughs> Telegraph. I'm imagining the Sunday Telegraph being like, we will never be bowed down to these people. And we will tell the news on Sunday as it should be told. We will keep leading will truth and light on Sundays alone. When the shops are shut, our doors are open. <laughs> and when you get back from church, you have a novel-sized newspaper. Yeah, legit. No fewer than four <laughs> glossy magazines wedged inside. Um, and they tell you exactly what they do. Style. Culture. <laughs> None of this messing around. Words. <laughs> Okay, and um, what, what else do they own? Sorry, so yes, that in, uh, as far as media goes and newspapers, that's their big thing. I'll give you a hint. The two other yeah. industries are in shipping and retail, but they own oh. a few different businesses oh, yes, in those. yes, yes. They own the, the company that, that uh, used to be called Littlewoods, but is now a different owner, like clothing uh, seller. Yes, it's called uh, it's Littlewoods. It's, it's Shop Direct, which is Littlewoods and Vary.co.uk. Which in, in 2018, those operations grew to make about 1.39 billion pounds. Um, and they own a few others. I'll just help you out. This one Yodel, the delivery company, handbag.com, which um, does what? It's does on the what? It's on the what dark web, do? actually. I think you can. Uh, <laughs> not, um, and also, they are Woolworths and Ladybirds Children Clothing, which was purchased in February 2009. Um, and the Ritz London, famously, which is worth yes, more course. than which has been valued at about $980 million or 1.3, depending on different... Uh, Billion. Depending on, depending on which brother you ask, <laughs> which we'll get to later. One brother <laughs> tells the truth <laughs> and the other only One tells lies. brother. Um, tell me some... Uh, how... how Okay, Daniel. I mean, oh, the Barclay and finally, oh, sorry, sorry, just quickly. Oh, finally, in shipping, they own the Element Lines, which was purchased in 1983 for 45 million pounds, and sold the brewing division for 240 million pounds. Jesus Christ! So that—that's what I—I I knew roughly. Is they were sort of shipping and uh, logistic magnets, right? They yeah, were big in, yeah. In the transportation <clears throat> industry, as in transportation of goods and everything. Yeah, um, absolutely. 
and then they, they slowly colonize media uh, and, and other yes things. yeah they um, basically from their business model they go they're sort of they're almost boring in the early days of business because they are just so almost mechanical in the way they go about things we'll so daniel daniel i'm i'm walking through london uh i've just had a you know i've i pop into the ritz obviously um and i and i meet the barclay brothers on the street uh to who 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 uh one of them hops off the back of the penny farthing, the other one off the top. <laughs> the other one just falls. The whole bike <laughs> falls apart without him on it. <laughs> um, no, uh, the other, the, one of them puts the other one down from the wheelbarrow race position that they've been walking <laughs> around in. Um, yeah. And uh, I want to tell them apart. How can I tell the Barclay Brothers apart, Dan? Um, yes, no, you can because so. Um, so you have Sir Frederick Barclay, he's the elder of the twins by 10 minutes, and Sir David Barclay reportedly distinguishable from his elder brother only by the way he parts his hair so david is the source of david's the cool one and frederick is the um the the older one (laughs) the older the older stick in the mud whereas his youthful also (laughs) 85 year old younger brother um is, is a real cool cat you should we should just clarify you've just referred to them both as sir both knighted Yes. Uh, a few years ago, I believe. Yes, they're both, they were both knighted. And uh, this kind of brings me on to the sort of slight idiosyncrasies of these two men, just, yeah. just on a personal level. Um, when they were knighted, they're famously very, 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 very elusive. Um, and they said on that day, I, I believe it was that day when they were knighted, they say, we're in a good mood today. We're giving you a lot of our privacy. We're not secretive, just private. Um, just to um, another story, just to show how private they are. Yeah. When they bought the Scotsman newspaper, it's reported mm-hmm. they said, you may never see us again. <laughs> <laughs> We're just private, you know? We're just private. We don't. I, on this august day where we've purchased your newspaper, and shall be the last time you set eyes upon the <laughs> Brothers Barclay. And then be gone! <laughs> and then, yeah, they hopped aboard. Their, they jumped in one of those motorbikes with a sidecar <laughs> that they take turns, that they take turns riding in and they, Frederick, they we know, well, Frederick always insists on driving it, but, but, uh, what was the other name? Sorry. Uh, David, 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 has the cool little, one. He has the little goggles in the side. Yeah. 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 His there. little, his hair flapping. flapping. He has <laughs> a wind. scarf that bellows <laughs> and delightfully in the breeze. So they have a few different, actually this, I'll just go through their sort of personal, the bits of their personal life that we know about before getting into their business practices. They asked Lord McAppline to write their memoir in 2003. And then the following year, a dime, a times diary piece stated that the intention is that this will never be published but will be for the private amusement of the twins and their families. Imagine <laughs> how dusty books and lame you are to be like, why don't we read from my unpublished memoir just <laughs> for us to enjoy? That is psychotic. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. write our little, our little delightful and then bury it in the dirt while no one will see it. Here's the chapter about that prozzy I killed. Uh, <laughs> just for the amusement of the family. Um, if you go actually to the index, you can see the alphabetical names of the list of all the prostitutes I killed. <laughs> ah, Cristal. What a <laughs> night that was in Bézier, oh, France. Um, You'll never read this. So, <laughs> if only you could see the final draft. Um, <laughs> so, guys. They, in classic rich, you know, rich people fashion, they, they uh-huh. spend most of their time on the Channel Islands and in Monaco. In 1993, they bought the 32-hectare island of Brekau for almost 3.5 million. Um, 
it's reported, by the way, that they hang out in those islands for health reasons. <laughs> oh, wink. Um, Excellent. So that, that goes on our list of billionaire excuses. Richard Branson, who just says he loves the Virgin Islands. <laughs> They're just his favorite place. Um, yeah. And uh, the Barclay Brothers have... What they're like 18th century, like you know, 18th century sons when they get sick. Yeah. They're like, Mother, I must to the sea for my constitution. Yeah, I, it, I have yeah. an imbalance of my humors. My heart can't take it when I have to pay regular tax. That's why yeah, <laughs> it stresses me out less. So, um, in 2008, they announced they were closing down all the businesses on the nearby island of Sark. This is back to Brecker, sorry. Uh, with the loss yep. of about a, a th- 100 jobs, a sixth of the island's population. They later <laughs> reopened the businesses, but since then there's been a long-running dispute with some locals over the brothers' desire to change the island's system of governance. They have clashed with local politicians and other residents in the tiny crown dependency over the, over the decades while helping to abolish one of the world's last remaining feudal systems. So they are literally living out like a old-timey colonial fantasy of yeah, Brecow. Yeah. Um, and, like, and, literally um, little robber barons. Well, it's like, like you said, like, it's a little feudal system, which is like, you know, in the 18th century, the French Revolution happens and they cut the king's head off and, and feudalism yeah. dies and capitalism is born. And, and the, the tiny little bits where it still exists, the Barclay Brothers said they have to snuff it out. Yeah, literally. And just clamp down with the iron heel. It's so strange. And it's like, not much is known about it. But it's just, just to have as your hobby... I want to clash with the small governance <laughs> of this island. Like, I want to, like, just a little side. I'm sick of the workforce. Like, it's like brewing his own IPA. He's like, I'm just going to, you know, put some... <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. The little, it's like beekeeping, where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, we've got, we've got some restless bees. We have to put them down, you know. We're going to hire the Barclay Militia, which consists of just <laughs> twins. The, 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 <laughs> we hire pairs of twins and give them each matching uniforms and guns, and we send yeah. them... <laughs> Just because we mentioned tax avoidance, we might as well get into it. That they have been, yep. they have a long history of it. Obviously, um, yeah. they're in the Channel Islands for health reasons. The, I, I can't remember which brother it is. It doesn't matter. But we have always acted in a responsible. Imagine if it was both of them simultaneously. Just the. <laughs> so this is one of their quotes about uh, the writs and about their and about tax they say we have always acted in a responsible way with regard to taxation and have never been involved in any tax avoidance schemes we are not responsible for corporate corporate taxes in the uk and and are unaware what tax is paid on the writs this was following um a report in a 2012 panorama that they had been paying no corporation tax on the writs for the 17 years they'd owned it um so how how are you gonna lie how are you gonna not pay tax on a building called the ritz (laughs) no man we're just like no we don't yeah taxes not us we don't need them we don't need them so they champagne and and swan (laughs) blood isn't tax no i don't think there's any taxable goods in there i don't think there's any yeah everything here is there's no there's not even any vat it's all essential which bread and butter and, um, and uh, milk in there. So they then enter into, they win a case, a 1.2 billion pound case against the HMRC that's described as one of the closest watched big business tax battles in the city and has been rumbling through the court for years. They win this case. It was a claim focusing on 205 million pounds of VAT that Littlewoods overpaid between 1973 and 2004. Um, they win that case and then the HMRC applies for an appeal um, that takes us into 2017, where they then lose. The appeal succeeds, and they lose, obviously, because it's like <laughs> them basically. Um, and Wait, did you say overpaid or underpaid the VAT? Uh, overpaid. Yeah. So that was like just that's kind of just money 
you know boring money chat essentially um <laughs> you say on our money podcast but <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> unlike the money chat we do um but <laughs> if they had won if they had won that case it could have opened the floodgates for more than five thousand similar cases so basically like it would give more power to companies about overpaying vat and getting paid out and and for the government losing out getting to reap back money yeah Yeah. that's crazy i'm just thinking about how much money if if they were paying tax on the ritz i mean the tax on doing musical numbers in top hats and canes alone <laughs> could fund the NHS for years if they yeah. paid that properly. Mm. Yeah, literally, I mean, you can imagine the money they're saving. That's when I talk about them being mechanical um, yeah. in that they're so, they are just, you know what, Roy? They're probably the purest capitalists that we've come across as far as there's it no... It seems like it, yeah. There's no hoity-toity thing. They're, they're totally <laughs> like in it for the cash. Um, and they that brings me of their, their similar contemporary... Oh, shit, no. Fine. No, go. No, you go. I was just going to say, they remind me of their uh, similar contemporary, or sort of contemporary, Philip Green, Sir Philip yes. Green. Yes, yeah. Who is also just a ruthless piece of shit in the garment industry who will, who will cut costs at every side. Production, mm-hmm. sales, shipping, anywhere he can squeeze a fucking penny. Yeah. Uh, total psycho. But we decided to knight them anyway, I guess. <laughs> How are you going to be prime minister and resist the temptation to only knight one of them? <laughs> <laughs> How could you not just say Sir Frederick and David Barclay? <laughs> <laughs> temptation or it's Frederick and Sir David Barclay. Oh, you've got to knight the younger one. He put, he put 10 more minutes in to life. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so you got 10 yeah. minutes, 10 minutes of extra hustle. God, that'd time. be so funny. Looking at his empire, you wonder how how did this happen? So we go back many many years, eighty five actually, um, and they were born into a family of eight uh, to in Hammersmith to son of a, sons of traveling a traveling salesman. Their father died when they were twelve, and when they were sixteen in nineteen fifty, they started at the accounts department of the General Electric's company. This is of course where a time where that was a thing and not just a monopoly piece. There's a lot of sort of monopoly man esque <laughs> things around these guys. So. <laughs> They worked on Skid Row for many years. They got a card to get out of jail. Uh, um, And then five years later, David Barclay, obviously the cooler Barclay, as we've established, marries a a 411 model who was the most photographed and highly paid model in Britain at the time. And according to a Wikipedia, appeared in a daily council advert as the drink a pint of milk a day girl. Wow. So a good ruddy cheeked milk girl. (laughs) And the home office looked at her and they went, she has good bones. She yeah. can advertise milk. <laughs> that was like, but they were like this dashing, the way it's described is like they were this dashing couple. Like he was a big business, he was a big man in business and she was the drink yeah. a pint of milk a day girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was in the 50s, man, in England. Yeah, if you were the, if you were the man who owned one small nightclub in, in Soho <laughs> and your girlfriend was a... Uh, was the, was the face of uh, the nylon ration book? Yeah. <laughs> my gal is the legs on the uh, on the ration book. We're we're really you could, yeah. you could dine at any restaurant that served rubbery beef in the whole city. <laughs> any bo- hey, all bovril's on me, man. All bovril. You can have. Um, You've got bovril service at the club. Yeah. At the end of the fifties, they the expansion was a key part of the. Their thing. At the end of the 50s, they're running a tobacconist and a confectioner's in Kensington called Candy Corner, which mm-hmm. folds, folds later when their landlord seizes the shops because they broke their lease. So then in 1962, 
uh, we jump ahead a bit. David is now working at the director of the Hill State Estate Agents uh, with his wife, Zoe, the drink of pint of milk to a gay girl. Um, <laughs> Say that every time. <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, who steps back to look after their kids in 1968. And that's when Frederick comes on board. To so they're all drinking her. pints of milk daily. <laughs> she's looking after <laughs> this. This just he's out, he's out earning money and she's at home with these big milky kids. <laughs> You know, David, I've been drinking a pint of milk a day for so long, and it's time I feed a pint of milk a day <laughs> to our kids <laughs> from my breast. Sorry, um, hang on. A pint of milk? That's loads. <laughs> so much milk. How did the government sanction this? That's so their stomachs much. are all just curdling. They are like... Yeah, they're a gassy nation <laughs> throws off the shackles of war. <laughs> Fart yourself out of these old chains. <laughs> Um, no wonder we had to invent the National Health Service. Everyone's just a big, <laughs> bloated, milky mess. Um, so Christ. David comes on board on this estate age, in Hill State Estate Agents, and they begin buying up mm-hmm. old boarding houses and making them into hotels. Between 1968 yep. and 1974, the twins received increasingly large loans from the Crown Agents, a government agency de- designed to help the colonies and developing countries do business in Britain. In 1970, they bought guest plan hotels, which operated the exclusive Londonderry House Hotel in Park Lane from a group of Lebanese bankers. They just, it's very old fashioned. I mean, you see the, the you know, the um, obviously colonial stuff or colonial yeah. history and stuff. And, and also building up enterprise in Britain as a focus of the government. They have this grant and it's. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, so we've got, we've got billionaires taking advantage of points in our history when the government actually did spend money, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, had an interest in that Obviously yes yeah. still spend money but you know what i mean no absolutely and, yeah, yeah. yes the, the you know the, the ruins of a, of a now crumbling empire mm-hmm. being reorganized as an economic empire right yes and, and, yeah and you know and, and what do you do when you're the british government looking to you know carve up what's left of your hoarded treasure you look for two big twins who <laughs> 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 look like they can handle yeah. it and you and you, you just fucking hand them whatever they listen, ask for i guess listen, listen boys this is big. This is a bigger penny farthing than you've ever written before. <laughs> so you two are going to need your biggest pairs of britches on for this one. This was called, and then they broker the Elliman deal, which was the shipping and brewing company um, right. that helped the Barclays develop their strategy of buying companies, breaking them up, and profiting from the real estate. <laughs> um, so uh, a man named David Scott, who was the Elliman non-executive chairman. Scott recalled in his memoirs that David Barclay requested an exclusive option to buy the firm and to keep it secret from all but two directors in return for a promise that, would, that Scott would stay on as a non-executive chairman. However, moments after signing the sale document, Scott was handed a letter by the Barclays lawyer demanding his immediate resignation on grounds that he had been indiscreet about the offer. Um, Jesus Christ. He published his memoirs, I guess. Uh, so that's why that was his mistake. Yeah, you slipped <laughs> yeah. up. You slipped you up. Jump, idiot. Yeah. Real, um, you know, business mindset is write your memoirs, but keep so them. they're basically just cold-blooded. Um, yeah. And I want you to think about that every time you see those the terrible quality photo on Littlewoods Direct's campaign. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pioneers of the, I mean, yeah, this is to to a degree an age-old practice, but became huge mm-hmm. in the 80s and 90s. Um, <clears throat> Yes, of of the most disgusting predatory business practices of you know this is what this is what Mitt Romney did at Bain Capital as well you know mm. you buy up a company you, you strip it for parts 
and then you jettison people. And then when people say, that's really bad, you go, what? I, <laughs> I had the money. Yeah. What are you talking about? And also, you should change your government, you tiny island of 600 people. What's insane to me is they're 50 at this time. They're like, you know, they're, they're building, they're around 50 in the 80s. So they're like building. So you know what they say, kids? It's never too late to start your dreams of owning everything. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, to be a huge piece of shit. And, and plus they were, I mean, they had the, the bone strength of, Man, half their age because of all that milk. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. This brings us on to their media empire. Just briefly yeah. to tee this up, uh, David once said, I don't think I've done anything dirty in my life now. <laughs> um, <laughs> with that in mind, folks, here we go. <laughs> Sorry, their media empire started with them. They bought the European in 1992, uh, making it into a high end business tabloid before it closed. Then they bought the Scotsman and sold it for £160 million in 2005. And then I think a few years later bought the Telegraph Media Company. The that was Telegraph. in 2004, yeah. Mm -hmm. So they basically, they kind of followed a similar structure with everything else yes. um, as far as like repurposing a thing and then selling it on. Bring the um, blood out of the dying animal and then throw its carcass away. Bill Deeds, who was a writer of the Telegraph at the time, said, it struck me that what the Barclays saw in the Telegraph was an asset that in the right hands could be turned into more profitable business. The intention to change the nature of the Telegraph into something more profitable had to be shielded from readers who loved it most for its unprofitable qualities, which they saw as a stand against the vulgarity of the red tops. Uh, Roy Greenside, a Guardian writer, said, it's less comprehensive in news coverage than it was. It's very, very much more obviously a commercial operation and less credible than it was. So what we have here, no, it's, I think it's very interesting. What we have here is very similar to what we talked about at the start. You can cut this if we leave it. But yeah. No, sorry, go on. This is, this is very similar to what we talked about at the start with Rupert Murdoch's uh, son, James Murdoch, quitting the, the uh, News Corp media group mm. because you've got the Telegraph, which before the Barclay brothers show up, is a risible right-wing shithead newspaper. Just <laughs> the last yeah. editor they had before there is a guy called Charles Moore, who is uh, was just made a lord by Boris Johnson. So that tells you all you need. Right. To know. Okay. Like yeah. 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 Misogynistic nutjob uh, who opposes, among other things, the metric system because he's a loon. Um, mm -hmm. And as they said, I thought that was an amazing phrase pulled out of that quote. It's unprofitable qualities. <laughs> the fact that they were a, a stupid, shitty, behind the times, old fashioned newspaper read exclusively by racists in the home galaxies. Yeah. And people liked that. And and you know, we sucked and we didn't make any money. And yeah. that's what people liked about. I really relate to that because that's a very like, you know, you see that people describe that yeah. like left wing content as well, where they're like, I like the days when it was bad and no one <laughs> read it or watched it. Yeah. And it was just me and my friends. Yeah, one of the big the one of the big I guess whistleblowers of this, if you want to call it that, was Peter Oban, who was one of the Telegraph's political columnists. He resigns in 2015 and in a piece for Open Democracy accuses the paper's management of colluding with advertisers. Amongst general upheaval to do with digitizing of journalism uh, 80, and 80 editorial redundancies in March 2013, uh, there was also the creation of 50 new digital journalism jobs leading to a picture of upheaval and constant change of, of a clear... There's a whole thing with the, the language of it where it wasn't head of reporting, it was like head of advertising. Um, and, that's, head of, yeah. and head of content was a position. Yes, which, yes that was a so big like, one. Again, you have to picture the kind of person who read and worked at the Telegraph, mm -hmm. which are beings consisting almost entirely of tweed and unspent sexual energy. And <laughs> for them to have a smarmy little 30-year-old come into their office and titled head of content, they would mm. have been reaching 
for the blunderbuss they keep. Oh my them. god, yeah. Yes. We're, we're talking about true, like you know, Philip Larkin character type dudes. It's, it's yeah, exactly, being yeah. faced with being faced with like you know, goop executives almost like it's, exactly yeah goop executives walk in and and kingsley amos gives the uh i studied the blade speech to him because he, um yeah but but in darker terms so one of the big things that peter oban is a story about that uh quote well-known british muslims had received letters out of the blue from hsbc informing them that their accounts had been closed no reason was given and it was made plain that there was no possibility of appeal and then when investigated, they were told to drop it because of legal issues. So yeah. there was stories, and there was other stories around HSBC, HSBC as well, which was stories about a black hole in HSBC's accounts was removed from the Telegraph website. Different papers report on the accusations against HSBC of currency market rigging, but there's nothing on the Telegraph site. It suggests an, a wider interest of the, Telegraph, of the Telegraph protecting the interests of banks over the truth. Um, they late, HSBC later gets hit with the money laundering accusations from uh, with the Swiss bank and all that sort of stuff. And the Telegraph mm-hmm. says nothing. They just completely... They just ghost it. There's a wave of stories about the bankers, the bonuses, the bankers, the bonuses, and they just completely... Yeah. They, they, they're too busy down the pub getting drunk and smoking in bed and then trying to clear up the mess the next day, I guess, or the <laughs> deep cut Lucky Jim reference. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who's that for? Who is this, this for? Is this, I um, don't know, but this is what the pod is like now. Uh, and the culture went deeper. Um, HSBC suspended its advertising with the Telegraph. Its account, I have been told by an extremely well-informed insider, was extremely valuable. This is uh, open, by the way, sorry. HSBC, yeah. as one former Telegraph executive told me, is the advertiser you literally cannot afford to offend. HSBC today refused to comment when I asked whether the bank's decision to stop advertising with the Telegraph was connected in any way with the paper's investigations into their Jersey accounts. The Telegraph denies all of this, obviously. Amazing, amazing. Because, I mean, I think when it says, when we talked about earlier about they were colluding with advertisers more, yeah. it, is, it is real collusion because it's actually protecting the business interests of the people that line their pockets, essentially. Precisely. And even so, just as they hollow out companies, mm-hmm and and purpose them to their ends so do they take a newspaper which which you know had a had an, a political agenda that i find pretty repulsive but even that isn't enough right even that isn't just business orientated enough so that has to be turned towards money right and, and the colonization yeah. of all these things by pure financial interests yeah. is the story of the last few decades and something like even even the telegraph can't stand in the way of that right like even just a, a good right-wing newspaper if, if even if they criticize HSBC, there's good, but it's also a classic thing, right? It's almost like, you know, I don't know if we need to be careful legally talking about advertiser collusion or whatever, but like, mm-hmm. it's the classic problem. They have a financial incentive. They can't, they can't criticize HSP. And this is also, by the way, one of the papers leading the charge, and we'll get onto this more, their, their particular mm-hmm. politics, but leading the charge over fucking cancel culture <laughs> can and can't yeah. say and you know all what's next we terrible... cancel all the banks is that right is that... <laughs> yeah. why don't we you cancel can... the banks why <laughs> <laughs> you're worried about it. the censorship of people choosing not to buy their newspaper and yet they're dropping and ignoring stories based on the fact that if one advertiser pulls as they say they can't afford to offend yeah them. it's an interesting thing you, you flag up with them like not only because you'd assume I would argue, at least culturally, some right-wing uh, sensibilities are very profitable and do well. There's certain yeah. like things that you'd think would be, oh, that's selling, that's fine. 
Yeah. But it is, it's deeper than that. It's genuine loyalty to your, who's funding you. It's, or to, exactly. it's in a kind of cartel fashion. You're like a friend of HSBC. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. HSBC presents the Telegraph. Yeah. You, you, that's a very good point as well. And remember that a lot of these stories, HSBC came under a lot of scrutiny and there was quite clearly uh, an incentive to publish stories like this precisely because they would sell. Because remember, this is after 2008 and mm-hmm. the huge financial crash and anti-banker sentiment is at an all-time high. You want to flog newspapers, that's the current you might want to write. But they, they're still too, exactly, too worried about offending yeah. the, uh, the people who, you know, yeah, it's their it's, pockets. It, it's as, for me, and... It is as cut and dry as them being. You just make the best deal and don't yeah. back down. And you and it's strange yeah. that it's coming from. That seems against. It seems it's strange that it's coming from the funding of of a, a colonial idea of business from the from the crown agents and stuff that, that yeah. fostered this. But I think it is just like that kind of post-war stiff upper lip. Let's do it, but like to the degree of we will silence anything. That's yeah, yeah, I know you what mean. the paper's well, that's for. What's, that's what's crazy about them, isn't it? Because you've got eighty-five; they're eighty-five years old. Yeah, so you you've got several generations of, of British history and business, including yeah, you know, the post-war reorganization of the economy, mm-hmm. uh, our shift from a from a to an you know sort of post-imperial economic state into then the neoliberal turn, in which mm. all these things, and right through the rise of News Corp and the tabloid media and then the tabloidification and the right-wing tabloidification of so much media all mm. the way into like the digital content revolution as well. And, you know, yeah, uh, at, at every turn, <laughs> profiting of, of um, the worst trends in our culture and our economy. Which brings us on to the story that flagged them up for me, which was in yeah. March, was the Ritz, the infamous Rich Hotel bugging which is just like Amazing. sumptuous rich people family spying on each other. So, Fre- uh, so Frederick Barclay and his daughter Amanda are suing three of David Barclay's sons, Alistair, Aidan, and Howard, and Aidan's son, Andrew, of recording over a thousand conversations secretly in the conservatory of the Ritz over several months. They claimed in court documents earlier this month that the recordings enabled his nephews to sell the Ritz, which he co-owns with his brother, for half the market price. Uh, Frederick Barkley released footage of his nephew handling bugging equipment. There's about 93 hours of discussion about selling the Ritz, including for about 1.3 billion pounds, which is apparently fabricated, according to Aidan and Howard. Frederick said, sadly, the appalling tactic of spying on fellow family members have complicated matters considerably. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, so, they were talking yeah, to third parties without Frederick's knowledge about se- the, selling the Ritz. That's, that's the big thing they were trying to spy on. But it is in this, you know, huge room cigar. Like, it's very, it's, it's very... It's... <laughs> Hang on. So, so just so we're clear, the Barclay Brothers, they're trying to sell the Ritz. The Barclay Brothers are in trouble, by the way. The that, Barclay, oh, yeah. So this, the, te- yeah. the Telegraph Media Group is floundering. The Telegraph circulation is down. That's one of the reasons they're putting Boris Johnson on the cover. And, and so Little, they're trying to sell Little the Woods is going bad, too. Little Woods is, yeah, was is... It's a crumbling empire, as we say. This, it, is, it is falling crumbling apart. Yeah. Like they're fucking decrepit, eighty-five-year-old ass bodies. <laughs> so, one of the, they both want to sell the Ritz, but one of them wants to sell the Ritz for possibly cheaper. So, mm-hmm. so which which one's that? I think. I mean, they they all want to sell it for more. Frederick is saying it could have been sold for one point three billion, yeah. but they're saying that was a fabricated number. So Frederick Frederick is like the Ritz is hot shit. It's at least one point three billion. We can definitely get it for that. Yeah. So the guys are, uh, David and his family 
his little his all his spawn are saying no no yes. no, no no we have to we have to sell it for a for a more reasonable price um yes who bugs who so david and his sons bug frederick david bug right okay but then he filmed the video. Yeah, he put a video because so he, he thought he was being bugged. bugged. So he bugged them right back. Yeah, there we go. So uh, hang on. Let me just, the family as it shakes out. So on Frederick's side, you've got Frederick uh, and you've got Amanda Barkley, who's the only child of Frederick and Hiroko, his, his then wife. Uh, the 41-year-old has worked at the Ritz. She set up the Frederick Hugh Trust in her father's name in 2014. Uh, and you have Koasada Barkley, who's the 52-year-old son of Hiroko and stepson of Frederick's. Uh, who runs Koyan, a property mm-hmm. firm in London. He was one of the biggest donors to UKIP in the run-up to the Brexit referendum. Um, so that's uh, in this corner. You've got them. Yeah, and then, the Frederick. And then on David... Only, like one wife, right? Because I think we're about to find that David yeah. up to his reputation as the younger brother. As the cool one, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think he's had one wife, but they're divorced, yeah. Um, yeah. He is, he's currently divorcing her, actually, sorry. Uh, so David, and then you have Aiden, the eldest of David's four sons. He uh, is the most well-known to roles at the Telegraph Media Group. Um, his wife, known as Fizzy, is a well-known London socialite. <laughs> Hell yeah, of course she is. <laughs> Fucking continuing the tradition of, of posh girls with the most, ins- you know, like childish names like Binky and Fizzy. Yeah. And- Oh, you can imagine. You can, fizzy is a bit much, isn't it? Fizzy. It's a bit like. Um, then you have Howard, who runs the family business alongside Aiden. He has significant stakes in the holding companies for the Barclays UK assets. Then you have Duncan, who's the youngest son of David's first wife, Zoe. He isn't part of any of the legal action. He's probably the chill one. Um, and he bought by his uncle and is a trustee of Salvo, which heals anxiety and trauma through the word of God. Don't even want to touch that. Don't <laughs> no, even want to touch that. We're not going into it. We're not going into it. And finally, you have Alistair, who is the 30-year-old youngest son of David uh, by Reina Oropesa, his Mexican-born current wife. So he has got, you know, he is, is he's a dirty sailor. He is every... <laughs> so Alistair is a former race car driver. Baby. So he's the one who was filmed bugging the Ritz. He is involved with the loss-making online estate agent Yopa and was a former race car driver. These guys, these, the lives they lead, it's so... Fucking dolts. These... these yeah. You know, little spawn. But how? Who, who drives fast cars and bugs <laughs> his family members? What my 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 takeaway from this is because they're obviously very private and they they you know they don't want to share and they're just secretive. Um, oh, but course, yeah. they clearly, I mean, you don't bug a house. You don't bug someone's room to spy on them and then spy on them back if there's not some serious some serious fallout yeah. you have some, some heavy yeah. shit yeah you you have you have surpassed uh, having a family circle and a talking cushion you really you're on a higher <laughs> level i think my favorite thing is that because they are essentially you know mischievous little twins from a mm-hmm. from a just william novel um they they come up one of them comes up with a zany scheme of bugging one but the other one comes up with the same idea yeah literally yeah, yeah, yeah. So they end up doing it to each other like the three stooges trying to do go through the door at the same time. I mean, they're just is it? It's weird. Um, it's hitting me just how old this family is as well. Like he's like sixty down to thirty. Like they're a really old family, yeah, and, and having sons this are like sixty-five, sixty, and yeah, and having this bigger level fallout or like son, you must spy. I do wonder <laughs> if it's because it's around the selling of the Ritz. If they're just like, as with everything else, that they can't, you know, they can't uh, 
they can't leave work at the door. They can't. They just. Oh, they, it must in be fact, rough. They, it must be rough. Yeah. I I don't know if I could be in a job with my family in a family business that way. That definitely seems... not. And definitely not with your beautiful twin brother who you sleep in a double bed with every night. <laughs> <laughs> I was <wondering> if... you. <laughs> Good night, David. Good night, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> But that is the um, life and um, sadly not death of <laughs> David <laughs> and Frederick Barkley. The life and it can't come soon enough death. Of, yeah. Of the, Fucking uh, hell, they got the 85, man. God, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> That's insane. They must have some sort of weird spirit bond. I'm sure that I'm sure they will die at the same moment. Um, <laughs> I'm certain of that. So, Sir um, Frederick and David Barkley. So this brings us on to uh, something we do at the end of every show, which is the Wonka scale. Uh, uh-huh. Where we try and sum up the evil that this per- the people did with the yeah. sort of zaniness and insanity that they carved out, and how much we were entertained by it compared to the the, the deeds that they did, feeling guilty about that. It's weird because they're the kind of business they are. They're not very wonka e as far as like they do. No. Just kind of, I think they just have weird. They 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 do seem like you know Cluedo characters, who, but then also with sinister undertones of like yes. no care for human life and exactly, like, yeah. but they are also living feudal fantasies on Breco and <laughs> you know they're, they're having um, an amazing their whimsy yeah comes from the fact that they are yeah twin boys but but other than that they're just totally ruthless yeah mm-hmm. I think for the for the um for the evil component I'm gonna say no sorry for the for the entertaining component I'm gonna say like a five I mean, I think I think bugging each other is pretty funny, but yeah, five out of ten. And for the evil, I'm gonna say like an eight. I think I think they're up there. I think they're some of the yeah. Worst, I'd say because I found some of their early career funny, and it does read like a kind of because you know we talk a lot about like oh the modern era of media problems and you know biased media yeah. and all that stuff. It feels very current, but I think watching them, yeah. you see how the weird sorts of stiff upper lip, pull your socks up, kind of. Yeah mentality led to gutting of, of political yeah. opinion um so i think that's quite and that's all very funny to me the 50 stuff fizzy and drink a pint of milk a day girl drink a um, pint of milk a day i love that um, is so i'm gonna say a six on on entertaining and and Fair. yeah i'll go with you eight on evil yeah i okay. mean they, they they care about the interests of banks for no other reason other than they're getting paid so i mean that's yeah, exactly. like yeah they yeah. Suck. And no, I don't care how much of a dent his wife made in the milk drinking issue. I mean, like I'm sure, I'm sure she's got many kids' healthy bones, but other, you know, it doesn't yeah. make up for the untold misery. The Jamie Oliver of her day. Um. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, in a couple of weeks, I'll be back with uh, a character from the present or the past. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. Simplifies similarly obnoxious uh, traits. Uh, and until then, uh, reminding you to drink a pint of milk a day. I'm yes, please. And I'm Daniel McKeown. Get okay, that bye down, bye. yeah. <laughs> Get it down. <laughs>